Good morning. Welcome to Bethel. So glad you guys are here. You can be seated. You guys deserve an extra blessing. Is there a way to do that this morning, Ray? An extra blessing for coming out in the rain to come to church. Woohoo! That that's exciting right there. Thank you. Thank you for coming because then it would have just been us, right? And that wouldn't have been as fun. So thank you guys so much for getting out and being here today. And if you're visiting with us today, you're a special guest to us, and we're so glad that you're here. And we would love to connect with you. And the easiest way to do that is go to our website, which is mybethel.cc connect. And there's a form there for you to fill out so we can get some information. And not to prank call you. We, Ray and I, we don't do that anymore. Nobody prank calls anymore, right? Caller ID ruined that for us. But just so we can send you some information, see if you have any questions. And really, our greatest desire is just to get to know you and see how we can serve you. If you're in the house with us this morning, on the seat back in front of you, there's more information um, about being a guest and about that card. So we'd love to connect with you. I want to ask you a question this morning. I want you to think about it for a second. What is the best gift that you've ever given? Like, does anything come to your mind? Or, and then on the other side of that is what's the best gift you've received? Most of the time, I was thinking about this this morning, and it's usually not like about money. It's not about how expensive something was. It's about the thought that went into it, right? If someone really knows you and really put thought, it could be something as small as your favorite candy bar, but someone thought of you, right? And we're going to be talking about voices today, continuing our series. And today is the voice of generosity. And we're going to be talking about giving and receiving. So let's go ahead and get started on that. Good morning, Bethel. How are you guys doing? Good to see you 11 o'clock, like Christy said, coming and weathering the weather. Good job. It's the first of many this season, so good, good seeing you guys this morning. Um, I was telling the first service that the, the two different services kind of have personalities. We have like siblings. You know, we have a we have the first service, which is kind of the mature, the, you know, the, the, the crowd that's a little more serious. And then we have the second service, which is kind of like little kids and adolescents just having a good time, right? So that's the second service, and so it's good to see you guys uh, this morning in the second service. But we're going to uh, pray before we get started, and we're going to jump into week two of Voices. And actually today we're going to finish the um, series, or the, the text in Philippians. We're going to finish the book of Philippians today. Now let's get started with some prayer. Ask God to meet with us this morning. Uh, let's pray. God, we are really, really grateful uh, for who you are. We're grateful for your presence. God, we know you can be anywhere. You can do anything you want. Uh, you can move our hearts. You can decide not to, uh, but today we're inviting you in. We're inviting you here. We're inviting you to move. We're inviting you to speak. And God, through your word, we're inviting you to, to move us uh, to do what you'd like us to do. And so as your word is delivered today, God, I pray that you just um, work on our hearts, that you would break our hearts, that you would also um, kind of get us um, excited about what you're doing and getting involved. Uh, so God, we invite your presence here. We invite you to, to meet with us today. Uh, God, I also want to ask you that we would hear from you today, that you would speak clearly to our hearts, that we'd discern the voice uh, of the Holy Spirit, that we would be able to actually do what you ask us to do today. We love you. We are grateful for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. A little bit of housekeeping uh, for this morning. 
Um, last week, man, was a phenomenal Sunday. If you were here last week, what a celebration we had. Uh, we had over 300 people that were in attendance last week. It wasn't so much about the, the numbers, but it was kind of the spirit that was here. Uh, you 11 o'clock people are nuts. I mean, we had to add uh, several extra rows in the back. It was standing room only uh, with our baptisms, with the piscinas. What a great uh, celebration that was with, with Carson as well and uh, bilingual even, multilingual. And so we had a, a great time. So I thought today we'd have the whole service in Spanish. So you guys need to learn Spanish real fast. Is that all right? If I better not do that. Okay. Well, what a great, great Sunday last week. We had a, the babies, you know, that were dedicated here. There's 11 different babies that were dedicated, and what a joy that was uh, to celebrate with families um, and then celebrating with the, the baptisms. There's something about um, being in a family and focusing on our families and how God is helping us make spiritual steps and spiritual moves, uh, what a blessing that is. And so if you'll pray with us about something that God has been put on our heart for a long time and, and uh, we've been talking with different individuals and we'd like to start a, a multilingual, kind of a bilingual service. And so if you guys will pray with us about that and maybe even want to get involved in that, that'd be great. But we'll, we'll try to keep you informed and we'll keep going down the path as God uh, leads us. The, the next thing I want to tell you, I've been meaning to tell you every week and I keep forgetting, but um, in two weeks we have, uh, at Bethel, we call it Family Escape Sunday. And so one of our values here at Bethel, one of our big values is family. Uh, we want you to spend time together. We want you to enjoy one another, play games together, maybe go on a trip together. And so several times a year, we shut down the, the services, the building, and we send you out to go with your family, with your friends, uh, to hang out. And so this is coming up in two weeks. It's actually Memorial Day weekend. It's a perfect weekend for you just to hang out, sleep in, go to the lake, or do whatever you like to do um, if the weather permits it. But we want you to spend time with your family. And so we call this Family Escape Weekend. Uh, there's two specific times we do it throughout the year. One is Memorial Day. second one is, Le is Labor Day in September. And so uh, this one's coming up. It's coming up in two weeks. So next Sunday, we'll be here. And then the following Sunday, if you come, you'll be by yourself. Maybe some other people that forgot. And you can play in the playground over there. That'll be fine. We'll leave some water out here for you to, you know, I don't know if we'll leave water or not. That's a lie. Okay. Um, but <laughs> we have a faucet. Uh, so there's a faucet there. Okay. So, but we really um, want you to enjoy your family and take this time to, to spend with them. So in two weeks. So if you're visiting today and you're like, I'm just getting started and you're already shutting the church down. Well, it's just what we do uh, here at Bethel. We love our families and we want you to celebrate with your family. Okay. So in two weeks. So we're in the series called Voices. Um, this series was actually uh, born out of a conversation I had with a friend of mine, and uh, he was talking about the voices that influence us and the voices that we hear, even though they're maybe not audible, but they're kind of like this, these, uh, have you seen that, the meme when I was a kid, I saw it a lot, where you had a little angel and a little demon on your shoulders, and they were kind of battling back and forth, and then if you'd zoom in on the meme, it was your face, you know, your face here, and then the face of the demon, the face of the bad, uh, the, the good and the bad, and battling out which one was going to get it right, and then whenever the decision was made, it was like, poof, the one would disappear, you ever get that? So, all of us have these narratives that we play and these, these conversations that we have uh, with ourselves. And it's not that we're crazy. It's just that we actually hear voices. And there are some voices that we hear that are very influential in our lives. And if you can imagine your shoulder loaded up with a bunch of different people uh, from your childhood all the way to the present, uh, one of the most influential voices you hear is your, your parents. They're sitting on your shoulder and you can leave. It doesn't matter how long you've been away from home. It's like you hear your mom and dad say, now, should you be doing that? Is that okay? 
and it's like this pressure on your shoulder. And so some of you walk like this because you got your parents sitting on your shoulder. Um, that's just the way it goes. It's like we hear the voice of our parents telling us what to do or not to do. Some of us have the voice of a teacher that was very influential in our lives that, that, are, that is trying to get us to do the right thing or maybe a career choice. Maybe we have the voice of a coach. There's coaches that are very influential in our lives, and so the voice of a coach is sitting there and encouraging you to keep going. Maybe it's the voice of culture. That's harder to define, but culture is very influential, and we always want to be on the right side of history. Have you heard that over and over again? It's like, we want to make choices so that people look back at us and say, oh, they made the right choice. Culture is very powerful. Possibly your friends. Your friends are sitting on your shoulder, and your friends are actually telling you right and wrong and what to do. Religion. Religion's a big one. Like the guilt and shame that uh, we all experience because of decisions we made, moral decisions. So we have the, 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 the weight or the voice of religion on our shoulders. Possibly politics. Politics is its own religion, but politics is sitting on your shoulder. Maybe patriotism or ethnicity or expectations, spouse, children, your boss, business. There's all these different voices that have our ear. Basically, in other words, they have a seat at the table in your mind. Paul actually is encouraging us to listen to the voice of truth even when it's counter-cultural. Even when culture says something, Paul in Philippians has gone through this whole passage to friends and he's encouraging them to remember to align their lives with Jesus and to be in mis on mission with Christ. Many of us worry. Last week we were encouraged to turn our worry into worship. And no matter what you're going through, all of us experience some kind of anxiety, some kind of um, worry, and last week we discussed turning that into worship. We had a great time in our community group this last week. If you're not in a group, find some people and get together. We want you to hang out with one another. It's all the one another's, and so hang out with somebody. But our group last week talked through this encouraging one another through our worry and turning it into worship and gratitude, and we want that for everyone. But this week, we're going to look at the voice of generosity. You chose today to come to church. Sorry. We're going to talk about money every once in a while. It's good to talk about money. Jesus talks about it a lot. But it's not the main thing of the message. It's just a little part of it, okay? So don't get nervous. But today, we're going to talk about money. Verse 10. <clears throat> How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. You can circle that word concerned in your Bibles, or if you have your smartphone, you can make a note there. But the word concern is more than just a thought towards someone. It's actually a thought that moves to action. It's not just sitting on it. It's actually getting up and doing something. And so the church at Philippi was concerned about Paul over and over again. And remember that Paul was sitting in prison and the church at Philippi that he had started was concerned about his well-being. It says, I know that you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Then he goes on to say, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Who memorized that as a kid? All right. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So we say this at Bethel all the time, and, and I want you to hear it again, but we have a statement that we say that our church is always and only about this one thing. It is that we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Our whole mission is Jesus. Our whole mission is finding him and following him, not becoming Jesus, but following him. And so right in the middle of the statement is this one another. We exist to love and lead one another. 
And what I don't want you to miss is the one another that's necessary for us to carry out the mission, not only of Bethel Community Church, but also the mission that God has given each of us. It's the one another's. You cannot miss the one another part. How many times do we actually tell people around us, hey, let me know what you need. Let me know if you need anything. What are we actually saying when we say that? Leave me alone. That's what we're saying, right? It's like, oh, I'm so sorry that that's happening to you. Let me know if you need anything. And we're gone. Have you ever done that? I've done that. You've done that. I know you have. And you're sitting there going, not me. Oh, yeah, you are. You're in church. Don't lie, okay? (laughs) But we say, let me know if you need anything. Now, I think most of us mean it. And if someone could actually give us something tangible to do, we would do it. But most of us are saying it as a way, as a filler, because we are kind of awkward in the situation. Like someone pours out their soul to us and they have this big difficulty and they're like, you're like, oh, let me know what, I, what you need. And that person's like, a million dollars would be nice. Or a new kidney, that'd be nice. You know, it's like, what do, we, what do you do in a situation where someone says something terrible and you're like, let me know what you need? The, the concern for one another should go beyond Sunday. And one thing I'm grateful about Bethel is that it's not just a superficial Sunday thing, but it moves into Monday through Saturday where we get together, we love one another, encourage one another, and we actually are interested beyond just Sunday. It's a concern that moves us to action. Here at Bethel, we truly love one another. And what Paul is saying that the concern of the Philippians turned into action. They actually gave, they actually were generous towards Paul. They were waiting for an opportunity to do something, and the window of opportunity opened, and they actually fulfilled the need in Paul's life. And you know it's a God-given concern when you do something about it. There's many of you here that are going to hear something today, and it'll be like, oh, I probably should do something. You leave, and you'll never think about it again. But there's some of you that it's going to drop in your ears, it's going to speak to you, and you're going to be like, i got to do something. If I don't do something, I don't know what I'm going to do. And today you're going to make a decision to actually do something. Your concern is going to turn into action. And there's actually a big difference between truly filling a need and someone taking advantage of someone. I understand the world we live in. We all become cynical. We say, oh, that person's just taking advantage. That person's always needy. That person's always asking. But there are true needs around us, and we have a tendency towards cynicism because we don't want to be taken advantage of. But Paul is actually saying that he's appreciative of the care that the Philippian church had for him when he was in prison. He was imprisoned. He was not used to asking for help because he was convinced that God was going to take care of him no matter the circumstance. You notice that he said, not that I was ever in need. And you're like, really, Paul? You were sitting in prison. You're chained to a a shoulder. You really don't have much food, and you don't know when you're going to be free. And he goes, I've never had a need. That just does not seem proper, doesn't seem right. And I think this next verse that most of us have memorized, maybe in a different version, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's how I learned it in the King James. And many of us have learned that, and we, I want to bust that verse for you for a minute. I have a a meme that I, a a pastor friend of mine took this picture. He got a coffee mug, so I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. That's what a lot of us have done. We've kind of cherry-picked the Bible to apply to us, and the context, it means nothing like it actually originally meant. When I was a kid, this I can do all things was applied to all sorts of different scenarios, and especially in sports, man. This was the best one. It's like the coach would gather you around, and he'd gotten to give you this motivational speech and be like, we can do all things through Christ, and he'd pray over them. Well, what was funny is across the, the, the field, the other team, the coach, was telling his kids the same thing. We can do all things through Christ, and then we had God kind of competing against himself. 
Like, who's going to get God's blessing? And so we use this verse kind of out of context, possibly during a test. Have you ever been in, in school, college, or high school, or grade school, and you're like, oh, God, I mean, I just need some supernatural revelation right now. I know I didn't study, but I can do all things through Christ. So just drop that in, and I'll put it down. Have anybody ever done that? Okay, just me? Okay. What about during sickness? What about on a hike in the mountains, and you're like, God, I can do all things through Christ. And Christ is like, you should have worked out. When I was a kid, it was when I got spanked. So I know that you don't do that anymore. That's not a thing anymore. But when I was a kid, it was like, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> Paul is actually talking specifically about his personal experience through life, okay? So he's talking about the journey of life, and he's talking about how he has settled something in his heart because he'd experienced it all. He'd experienced the trauma, and he experienced having a lot and having very little. He experienced Roman citizenship, and then he experienced prison, and he experienced encouragement and depression. He had been free, and he had been locked up, and he had experienced it all. And Paul was looking at his life through this lens of a settled heart. And so he was talking to himself, and he was preaching to himself, and he was saying, I can do all things because through Jesus... I've figured out how to truly be happy. Like, through Jesus, I no longer have to worry about striving to appease God's wrath because that's been settled. He was no longer trying to get ahead. He was no longer trying to step over people to get his own way. He was no longer trying to be free from prison. He was okay whether he was imprisoned or free because for him it was the same thing. It was settled, and his heart was settled. This was momentary. Because in the scheme of eternity, he was settled. How many of us allow our circumstances to dictate our happiness and our joy? And I wonder if your heart is settled or if you're still at unrest and you're still searching. Paul is saying right here in Philippians 4.13, he says, we can go through anything with Christ. We, we can get through it, not we can do it. That's not quite what the word means in the Greek. There's actually this power that God has given us to see the other side, and this momentary circumstance is just momentary. We can get through it. On the other hand, Paul knew how to receive. You know, many of us have moved through life extremely prideful, and we provide for ourselves. We have never opened ourselves up to receive the generosity from others. It's called self-sufficiency. We think that that's for people that are less fortunate, and we look upon people, and we're like, oh, poor them, because they haven't, they're not quite where I am. And so we have this self-sufficiency about us, and if we don't learn to receive, how in the world can we receive the gifts that God wants to give us? Most of us are self-sufficiencing ourselves right out of the gospel. I just made up that. So we self-sufficient ourselves out of the gospel. We are too good, and we've arrived at a place where we don't need anybody's help, not even God's help. And until we learn to receive, we actually cannot understand the gospel. Because the gospel is actually admitting that I'm broken. It's admitting that I need help. It's admitting that I'm imperfect. It's admitting that I don't have my crap together. That's what the gospel is, coming to the end of myself. And so sometimes God wants you to receive, and how many of you are so self-sufficient that you've never asked for help, never received help, and never reached out for help? 
In order for the gospel to be received, we first have to acknowledge our need. When I, was, when I had COVID last year, terrible time in my life, and there was this, I don't know why, but I wanted pineapple juice. It was like I was craving pineapple juice. I don't drink pineapple juice. I've never drank it again, but there was something about pineapple juice and fruit. And so people would call and ask Christy, hey, what does Ray need? And she'd be like, oh, we're good, we're good, we're good. And I was like, no, Christy, I wasn't talking on the phone. I was like, Christy, please tell them that I need some pineapple juice. <laughs> the next person that calls, tell them I need pineapple juice. So the next person's like, hey, do you need anything? And she's like, she looks at me, and I'm like, And they, they brought us pineapple juice. I mean, gallons of pineapple juice. Asking for help is really, really hard. Admitting that we need someone puts us in a vulnerable state. It says, he said here, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. You know, Paul had enough life experience to know that no matter how dark the season, how loud the oppression, that God would see him through. The secret was learned through experience. His secret was learned through faith, and his secret was learned through hearing the right voice. Then Paul says, I can do all things. I can get through everything. I have the power to get through everything with Christ, who gives me strength. This is the context of suffering and the context of giving and receiving, and he's saying that his well-being was totally dependent on God, and he was at complete peace at his circumstances, but he also understood that in this moment, God was using the, Gal- the, the Philippians, the people in Philippi, to fulfill his need. God had worked through all his heartaches and his loss and his pains and his wins and his successes and his victories. But in spite of this, he understood in this moment it was time to receive. It was this time for him to sit back and let God's people work. Most of us hear the voice of self-sufficiency in our heads, and we've been taught this since we were little. You can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And we think by asking for help, it means that we're lesser. But God is actually calling us to live generously, giving and receiving. This is what our community is all about. Because we're all going to go through different seasons where we need help, and then there's seasons where we need to give help. Verse 15, it says, As you know, you Philippians were the one, only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. So the the church at Philippi understood their role in the life of Paul, and they were anxiously waiting for a moment to step in and fulfill a need. They heard God's voice and responded. The truth is that God actually provides the needs of the world through the generosity of the church. Your giving through the church provides and accomplishes what God wants to accomplish on this earth. The church is God's plan A for the world. There's no other plan. There are organizations that come alongside the church, but the church is the vehicle that God provides the needs for the world. Bethel over the years has been incredibly generous. If you're visiting today, you're joining a group of people that are incredibly generous. And over the years, we've seen God do some miraculous things, not only locally, but around the world. When Christy and I decided to follow God in missions and and move out of the country, um, God used Bethel in an incredible way. I think partly was because Bethel didn't know what to do, so they just did everything. And it was amazing to see a generous church provide for the needs over the years as we served in Central America. We have a missionary in Mongolia that we're helping start seven churches in a region up north where no one else is. 
Bethel has responded in generosity to fund those church plants, which is an amazing thing. Camp, we're sending 40 kids to camp this summer. And your generosity is allowing us to partner with families to take kids to camp. It's expensive. You guys still have time to sponsor a kid to go to camp. And actually, what we encourage everyone to do is just give $7 a week towards the camp fund. It's exchanging a cup of coffee for camp. And if you'll just exchange a cup of coffee every week for camp, in a year, you'll send a kid to camp, a student to camp. Another uh, organization that we're involved in here in, in Yukon is Compassion Hands. I'm going to have Joanne come up. She's a, uh, a part of Bethel. She partners with us here. She's been a huge blessing. Uh, I get to serve with her um, in Compassion Hands every week. Yes, round of applause for Joanne. Thanks. You went the long way this time. That was smart. That was smart. That was super smart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Joanne is going to tell us a little bit about Compassion Hands, but also an award that the Compassion Hands was recognized with and, and how Bethel was involved in that. Uh, well, first of all, this award here was quite an honor. It's something they look at nonprofits all over the state of Oklahoma, uh, out of probably 20,000 nonprofits in, in Oklahoma. They nominated 80. We were one that was nominated for this one award. And what it is from the Oklahoma Center for Nonprofits, it stands for Oklahoma Nonprofit Excellence. Mm. And uh, so we were uh, selected as a finalist and in the community category. And then we went to Tulsa and we received the award for our category. That's so. Awesome. Uh, but this award belongs to you guys. I mean, to all of you who, who so uh, support Compassionate Hands. You know, Compassionate Hands' mission starts out in response to Christ's mission to help others. Yeah. And that's exactly what you, you are doing. If you could hear the stories I hear, hmm. uh, some of them would just bring you to tears. Your, your heart just breaks for people out there because Compassionate Hand helps people who are in the middle of utility cutoffs, a lot of people call me and they're already cut off. Fortunately, we can call OG&E and we can pledge money and we can get them back on. Uh, and uh, people call and they're in the middle of a rental eviction. This has been really a bad time. And there's so many people that are out of work or on unemployment and their unemployment's cut off. So there's a lot of really sad stories. And I didn't mention this one in the first uh, service, but uh, our caravan, I talked about how it takes people to shopping and to dialysis and all kinds of seniors and people with disabilities. I usually check the messages over the weekend just to see if someone's in real need and have a little lady who left us a message, lives in one of the income-based senior living places here in the Yukon area, and she's out of food. She wonders if a van could take her tomorrow. She's mm. out of food, and her cat has been out of food for three days. Uh -oh. Don't worry, that's going to be taken care of. <laughs> but I'm just, uh, I'm just saying that that's the kind of needs that, due to your generosity, are fulfilled mm. all the time. And we just thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, and this recognition is a result of that. Wow. Uh, we were just uh, honored to get that. So. Uh, I want to pray for Joanne. Uh, Joanne's been a blessing, and if you get to know Joanne, she has a compassionate heart. God has given her a gift 
of compassion. Most of us would get worn out after a few days of working with people, but every time I go in, Joanne's got someone in the office. She's counseling them. She's leading them to Jesus. She's trying to provide for their needs, and it's been a blessing to see. And so I want to pray for, for Joanne that God would supernaturally continue to use her and our partnership uh, with Compassionate Hands. Let me pray for you. God, we are once again in awe of who you are and how you choose us and how you call us into the ministry. And God, it's been a blessing to see Joanne and her heart of generosity and, and compassion uh, towards the least of these. And God, people that um, have never thought they'd find themselves in a situation to ask for help, Joanne's the, the face that they get to come talk to and how encouraging she is and doesn't put anyone down but lifts them up. And it's not a handout but a lift up. It's a hand up. And what a blessing that is, God. I pray that you bless her and that her heart of compassion would continue to be grown and that you'd fill that, uh, fill her heart with compassion. And as it's depleted, that you'd fill it again. Uh, God, we praise you for her and we pray blessings over her and the ministry of Compassionate Hands for Canadian County. Uh, we're grateful to be a part of it. Uh, we remember that day that you looked upon us with compassion and you were moved with compassion for us. Help us not to forget that. Bless Joanne. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Joanne. Thank Appreciate you. it. Let me you around. I don't want Joanne to fall. All right. One of the coolest um, parts about Compassionate Hands and serving is uh, there are people that receive help, and then when they're back on their feet, they turn around and they give help back to Compassionate Hands, and that's a cool uh, uh, circle of, of events there. Also, a Festival of the Child, we got to, a couple weeks ago, got to serve. It's one of the most fun events that uh, we get to be a part of, and actually this year was more fun than ever. I'm not sure why. We made over a thousand stress balls, and maybe for the parents more than the kids, but the kids got to make stress balls, and we got to give away backpacks. It was just a lot of fun. Those of you that served, that's just a snow strings attached uh, giving. Uh, there's opportunities here in the next uh, few months to provide meals, snacks for the Yukon PD, and we'll give you more information about that. Missions, uh, Bethel has always been a missionary church where we get involved in missions around the world, Africa to Central America to Asia, and it's been really cool to watch how missions has become a central part of our church and how your generosity is not just local, but also extends to the rest of the world. And if you have questions about that, we have a missions team that gets together every month, and we invest in prayer time, and we invest in our missionaries, and your generosity allows us to do that. And anything you give over and above your tithe towards missions goes directly to our missions program, which has been awesome. Church planning, of course. Um, locally in St. Louis and Texas. You got to meet Will Coleman a few weeks ago. Um, what a blessing that is. And our interest really is to connect the spiritually disconnected to the Father. Whether it's across the street or around the world, there's a need where people need to be connected. Uh, Pastor Ruben's going to hand out with some people a gift from me to you. Um, this is going to be a little awkward because for the first time in your life, you're going to come to church and actually get money. And so he's giving away money right now. And so as it comes to you, I have a reason for this. And so please take it. Do not reject it. All right? So there's money coming up. And, and actually, there is a return for the reward from the Father. If you see Paul said there, I'm not asking for something right now. I'm actually wanting a reward for you. And there's this eternal bank account that God has set up in order to reward those who are generous towards him. And he will bless you every single time you open your hand. A lot of us don't get the blessing of giving because we never open our hand to receive. And this morning I want you to experience something with me uh, along with this dollar bill that's put in your hand that 
you actually got money from the church today. Okay, that's the first lesson. Now we're going to move beyond that because that's real small. I want you to look at this dollar, and it's a dollar. You know the value of a dollar, right? Now only one dollar, not two dollars, Pastor Ruben. Come on, one dollar. What are we doing here? Oh, my goodness. What in the world? Okay. <laughs> so I want you to look at this dollar. Yeah, make sure everybody gets one. All right. So, here, so here's what I want you to do. There's some of you that are so self-sufficient and full of pride that it's so awkward to receive even a dollar that you need to fold that dollar up and put it in your pocket and take it with you. Okay? So if you have a spirit of self-sufficiency, like you don't need this, you don't want to receive, I want you to put it in your pocket. Okay? I know it's only a dollar. It's not going to get you. I was going to tell you to go down to 7-Eleven and get a drink, but you can't even do that with a dollar. Uh, maybe if you're married, you can't even get a drink if you're married. So maybe get a stick of gum. That'd be good, okay? So, but maybe with $3, you could go get, steal from your kids, and then you can, you can get a, a drink. But some of you just need to put that in your pocket, okay? Some of you just need to, for a minute, feel what it feels like to receive something with no strings attached, okay? Now, there's another side. Some of you are so stingy that you're like, oh, it's another dollar, here we go. You need to give that dollar away, okay? So if you're like, sweet, I got a dollar, and you're just like ready to walk out, and give me yours, and give me yours, and give me yours, all right, you need to give it away, okay? And, and it's up to you how you do this and how you bless someone. Maybe it's someone on the street, or maybe it's someone here today. Maybe I don't want you to give it in the offering. I just want you to think about how you are responding to a gift that was put in your hand. And I want you to think, okay, so am I... Am I rejecting this gift because I'm self-sufficient? Put that in your pocket. If you're like, sweet, more money for me, you need to give it away today, okay? And, and here's what you got to realize is that $1 really is not going to do much. That dollar won't go very far. You won't get very far with that dollar. But if you look around the room, if you think about all the dollars that are in the hands, if we come together as a group and as a church family, as a corporate group, imagine how much we could do with that $1 in your hand that turns into all the dollars that are in the room. And this is what God is asking. God is not asking one person to give it all and everyone else to sit back and watch. God is actually asking everyone to get involved with a little bit. Because when everybody gets involved with a little bit, it makes a massive difference. It's kind of like if I took a uh, drop of water and I spit it. You guys are getting lots of water because I'm spitting up here in the front. But uh, one drop of water is not going to do it much. But if I get a cup of water... You might get more wet, or if I get a hose, I'm just going to spray it down. It's, a, it's the quantity, not one person, but multiple people getting involved. And that's what Paul is saying here, is that the church exists to provide for the needs as God shows the needs to the church. This was a corporate mission. This was the church coming together to serve Paul. It wasn't just one person. And Bethel, Bethel exists through the generosity of people that call this family home. So when we come together, we actually can come together and pool our resources and take spiritual ground for Jesus, not only here locally, but around the world. And it only happens through your generosity. It cannot happen every, any other way. It's everyone involved, and a little bit, everyone's little bit makes a lot. So let's not forget to come together. Paul continues in verse 18. At the moment, I have all I need and more. Remember, he's sitting in prison. He's not sitting at the beach at a resort with a margarita. He's not doing that. He's sitting in prison. And he says, I have all that I need. 
and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. This is a guy from Philippi, a member of the church that brought the gift. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Verse 19, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. Did you catch that? The, the same God that was blessing and caring and had settled Paul's heart is the same God that will care for all my needs. It says, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. Paul is content. And on the other side of the story, there's those who can only complain or are never satisfied or never content with anything. There are times when we don't have, but we can be content. Because it does not depend on what we have, it depends on whose we are. So contentment has little to do with the things that we have, but it has everything to do with whose we are. And we are the fathers, we are gods. So here's where the voices come in. You can hear the voice of selfishness and self-sufficiency, or the voice of generosity. God is calling us to generosity, and it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about me focused. It's about Jesus and others. And Paul connects each person to the one who cares for him. It's the same God. It's not for super elite followers of Jesus with access to special powers or source. It's the same God that will supply all your needs. Paul's contentment and generosity is available to us as well. He is the same God. The same God that rose Jesus from the dead is in you and available to you. The same God that rescued Paul is in you and available to you. The same God that gives you purpose and direction and fulfillment, the one that gave to Paul is the same God for you. So today is the day that I can say, I can go through anything with Christ. Let's pray. God, this morning it is a, an awesome task to talk and to think about all that you've done for us. There's two sides where we want to be self-sufficient and take care of ourselves and prideful or another side where we can't do anything and we sit in complete need. And what you're asking us to, God, is to recognize our need and then turn around and open our hands and be generous to those around us. God, as we work through this letter with Paul and as he calls us to action and through love and gentleness, he's touching our hearts to wake up and to realize that no matter what's going on, I can open my hand and you can work through me. I can have joy in little, I can have joy in lot. Because the condition of my heart is settled. It was settled on the cross because Jesus is enough. There's nothing more to be paid but I have to reach out my hand and receive what you've given me. I have to reach out and accept the gift of salvation. I can't be so self-sufficient that I don't see my need and my brokenness, my fragmented mind, my broken mind. God, this morning I pray that you would draw people to yourself, that you draw people into a relationship with you, that as we encourage one another, as we love one another, as we lead one another to find and follow Jesus, that today would be a day where we could hear your voice calling and that we'd respond that Jesus died for me, that I have hope because of Jesus, that Jesus is enough. I can stop my pursuit 
I can stop chasing. But Jesus is enough. God, we love you. We are so grateful for that day that you came to this earth and you took our place. Don't let us forget, God, to open our hand. And as we open our hands, you will give us gifts that we can turn around and bless others. Jesus, we love you. We are grateful that you are enough. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The rest of this passage says, um, Give my greetings to each of the God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings. Did you realize that Paul was not alone in prison? He might have been the one that was imprisoned, but he was never alone. There was people with him, and they were surrounding him. And, and, and he's inviting us into that same relationship to be aware of the people around us. And even though some, someone's going through something very difficult, we can actually walk alongside them during that time. Verse 22 says, And all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. Think about how significant that is. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And Paul concludes the letter to the Philippians. Today is the day of generosity, and Jesus did not stay away from us in our need. He came and he gave up his life, and he freely gave his life for us. And what he's doing today is he's asking us and he's inviting us into the same process to give up our life for the life of others. He's inviting you into a life of generosity. And if you're unsettled and you're searching this morning, we want you to know that Jesus paid it all. If you're tired and you're worn out with lots of religious activity, searching for a Savior, we want you to know that Jesus paid it all. If you're looking for hope and you're looking for peace, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid everything for you to be connected to the Father, and he's inviting you in to the relationship with him. He's inviting you into a life of generosity. We want to sing this morning, Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. Christ is enough. You guys can be seated. If you believe that, then this whole generosity thing is easy, right? Yeah. It's all his. He paid it all. He already did the work. Um, while I was listening to the message, I, I could stand here and talk about the amazing things that God has gifted with just in the last 20 years, the ways he's shown up in our life. But two things in particular came to my mind during the message. And I think about receiving because sometimes it is hard to receive. It's, it's this prideful thing to lay it down and be humble enough to receive. And impactful things in my life, the first thing that came to my mind was a little girl who gave her piggy bank. She just gave it all. It was like everything in her piggy bank and she brought it and she just put it in my hands. And I didn't want it. I didn't want to take her piggy bank. And I don't even remember how much money was in the piggy bank. I did with it what she asked me to. She asked me to buy supplies for the kids in Costa Rica. I did that. And I don't even know if that little girl was affected by that. By the, but I want you to know that I was impacted by her obedience. Her obedience changed who I am. And I think that sometimes we forget that. We forget that, that when we obey God, it's not always about us. It's about the who are we going to impact when we obey and do what he asks us to do. Yeah. We can change someone else's life. The other thing that came to my mind was a lobster dinner in Cuba. Hmm. And a family knew we were coming to do a conference. And they saved up money for an entire month 
their month's wages for this very simple little family. A whole month they went without because they wanted to serve us lobster. And I don't even like seafood. <laughs> I didn't want the lobster. I didn't want to take their month wages. Are you kidding me? I didn't want that. No. It was the most humbling experience that I can think of of my life to sit at their table without napkins because they couldn't afford the napkins because they spent it all on lobster. Yeah. And they wanted to honor us because we had followed Christ and we went to teach them about Jesus. And they were so thankful they wanted to give to us. Right. And those things, those receiving, it's hard. It's hard to be humble. But I want to encourage you today that there's two parts to this. If God asks you to give, give. give. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. He can do anything without us, but he's choosing to use us to make a difference. And when we obey him, we get to be a part of what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage you, if, he's, if he puts it on your heart to do something, do it. And then the opposite. If he's putting it on your heart to receive, receive. Ask for help. If someone's offering you something, take it. It, it, that we're in this together and we're, yeah. we've all been on both sides. We've all been in a place where we can give and we've all been in a place where we can receive. And that's what's beautiful about being in a family. And this isn't about, it isn't all money. No. It's just about being there for each other. And when God asks us to do something, obeying. Right. Well, I can, I can imagine a, a community here at Bethel and at large in Canadian County and around the country where there's no needs because we've taken care of them. And that's, <laughs> right. I, I don't think it's a matter of resources, it's a matter of us obediently listening, listening. Right. and it's a small voice sometimes i was walking through the back and then out through the side here and uh we have a we have a nursing room a cry room and there was babies in there mm -hmm. uh, crying and then today we have a baby over here crying and it's like there's something about that mm -hmm. and i think this is the this is also part of the picture is that when god allows us to impact families dirty diapers come with the mess right and a lot of us want the the families without the dirty diapers but they're kind of one and the same and praise god for a place where people can come and their kids can be crying in the service and we're okay with that right. and have a room where they can go if mom's uncomfortable she can go there uh, but it's it's a it's a strange part of generosity which is the giving and taking and so don't don't miss the point that this is a community this is a family we're coming together and wherever the need is as we're going to try to fulfill it um, so if god's speaking to you and he's on your shoulder saying do that don't walk out without doing it but I, the thing that i thought of though in that is I wonder, I mean, how many times have I obeyed? I, know. I don't remember. I know. And I've made a difference, but how many times have I not? I know. How many times have I missed an opportunity, not only for God to use me, but to impact someone's life? Yeah. And so I just think it was a beautiful reminder that there's something for us to all be a part of. Right. And if you're in prison right now, let us walk with you. Okay. Right. And that could be right. a spiritual thing, could be physical, right. but please let us walk with you. All right. Thank you guys so much for coming. I do want to challenge you today that as you leave the doors to remember, to, to be available, to listen. What is it he's asking me to do? Am I giving? Am I receiving? And be, a, be ready and available. And remember that we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Love you guys. Have a good one.